Well, for the Jesus follower, there's some things that are different in our lives than, than before Jesus. And really, everything has changed. I hope you know that. And I hope you're experiencing that. When you come to Christ, everything changes. Jesus isn't just an add-on. You know, it's, it's just not like, you know, something you just put on your belt. Oh, I got the Jesus add-on in my life, and, and I'm still pretty much the same, but I got the Jesus add-on, and if I push this button, then look out, Jesus shows up. It, no, it, it's not that way. Everything has changed. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are new through and through. We live differently. By God's grace, we start to act differently. And all the wives in the room said, amen. And we think differently too. God calls us peculiar people. For the Jesus follower, there's no separation between the spiritual and the secular. There's no separation. We're not called to be bipolar in that way. I mean, really, we're not. In fact, for the believer, everything is spiritual. Everything, everything in our lives relates to our relationship with Christ. Everything. We take Jesus everywhere, and we honor Jesus in everything. Just say everything. I take him everywhere. Say that. I honor him in everything. Amen. By the way, the notes are out on the, the Bible app, the version thing, if you need these. If you want to refer back to, to any of the things that you're going to see on the screen this morning. For the Jesus follower, there's no distinction between a public life and a private life. We're the same. We're new. And we're the same whether it's just in our prayer closet or out at work or in front of a crowd of people in the church, outside. It doesn't matter. For the Jesus follower, there's no separation between church and state. In fact, we take Jesus even, I know this is crazy, we take Jesus even into the voting booth. Right? And we're called to take Jesus into the halls of Congress. Into the school board meetings. Into the town council meetings. There's no separation. There's no boundary for the kingdom of God. We pray. Jesus told us that, that thy kingdom come, God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven except for this area of government. Because, now oh, we don't go there. I never read that. Not, not in this book. Not here. For the Jesus follower, there's no imaginary line that says, don't take God beyond this point. There just isn't. The world tells you that there is. The world has programmed us, beaten us and beaten us, and continues to beat on our heads saying, there is an imaginary line. Don't take Jesus across this line. Don't take your faith across this line. 
But this book right here doesn't mention an imaginary line. And if you live in this dumpster fire world, as it was stated on the announcements, then you understand that if there even was a line, you better take Jesus across that line. Because people on the other side of that line need him. They need him. We're going to take a short break from our study of Galatians. And the title of today's message is Nothing Off Limits. Subtitle is Voting Biblically. And I do a message somewhat like this about a month out from every national election. So every two years. This is the midterm election. So I do, I do a message somewhat similar to this because we need to be prepared and we need to know our role as the body of Christ as it relates to voting, as it relates to the direction of our nation. And if we don't talk about it in church, then do we ever talk about it? No, we got to talk about these things. This is real life. And God has something to say about real life. I hope you all know that. He has a lot to say about real life. Ballots are arriving soon, so let's talk about voting biblically. It's going to be an interesting sermon. Hold on tight. All right, some of you might need to white-knuckle it even through some of this stuff, but just hold on, and we're going to always be going right here to what God has to say also, okay? That's the most important thing. That's the whole point of this, right? What does God have to say? In the early church, I'm going to set, set the backdrop here just a little bit to know why we talk about this kind of stuff. In the early church, there was... A, a heresy that was already beginning to rise just, just a few years into the church. And this heresy was called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics would separate the spiritual and the physical world. The Gnostics believed that, that they can have one relationship with God. Here's my relationship with the Lord. Here's my prayer closet. Here's, my, here's how I interact with God. And then here's my interaction and my life with the world. And they're really two separate things. And God understands that. And, and that's just how things are. That's what the Gnostics believed and they taught. That's a big part of their entire doctrine and theology, if you will. The Apostle Paul dealt with this heavily. If you read the first, his, his three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he deals heavily with Gnosticism in those letters. So these are people who are saying, look, I have this amazing relationship with God, and what I do in the flesh doesn't affect that at all. I can live like the devil Monday through Saturday and show up on church on Sunday with a big smile on my face and my hands raised, and Jesus is Lord, and, and God's cool with that. Everything's all right. My relationship with God, no problem. And, and the Apostle John says, look, and he's speaking to people who are falling for this heresy. He says, look, if we claim to be without sin, if you think what you were doing Monday through Saturday, if you think what you're doing outside of your prayer closet, if you think that, that God just doesn't care, doesn't notice, and it, it doesn't matter, and, and it's somehow unrelated to your relationship with the Lord, he says, if you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Why did John write this? Again, because there were those in the church who were claiming that their sinful acts done in the flesh were not seen as sinful before the Lord because God only sees, he's only concerned with the spiritual realm. Now, isn't that convenient? 
But I think we still see the same heresy today. I think there's a whole lot of Christians, maybe even some in this room right now, that have that perspective at some level. It's Gnosticism. And, it, and, it, and it, what it creates in us is this, this divided mind that we can kind of like have it both ways. And what it's really doing is ripping us off. And it's ripping off the world. Contrary to Gnostic thinking, God doesn't separate. And he's keenly aware and concerned about how we handle every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Nothing off limits, right? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. All. Everything. Not just certain things. All things. Everything we do is either going to glorify God or it's going to offend Him. That's pretty straight shooting, right? Everything we do is either going to glorify Him or offend Him. There's really no middle ground. God's concerned with the totality of our lives. He's concerned with everything. Everything. God cares about redeeming every aspect of our lives. Nothing is off limits. Nothing. And that's good news. You're telling me that, that God cares about every aspect of my life? You're telling me that every aspect of this broken world God cares about? You mean God's the answer for all of this? Yes. Yes. Yes, he is. You know, was anything off limits with Jesus? Not at all. Jesus spoke into every area and aspect of life. He spoke about sexuality. He spoke about marriage. He talked about commerce and education. Of course, he talked about religion and the church. He talked about finances. He talked about family. He talked about racism, government. Jesus talked about everything. Nothing was off limits in the ministry of Christ. Nothing. And so, from that truth and kind of that backdrop, I want to go where a few pastors go, a uh, few churches go, and are willing to go, but where I believe we as Jesus followers, as the salt and light in this dumpster fire broken world that we live in, where we need to go, we must go, we must understand, we must wrap our minds around, we must be discipled in this, because we have to have a voice, we have to show up. The world is hurting, it's hemorrhaging, it's falling apart. As the saying goes, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And if somebody doesn't show up and, and bring truth, and bring God's perspective, then why would we think that there'd be any change? It wouldn't be. So let's talk biblically and here's what we're going to do. Since we're a month out from elections, and some of you are getting your mail-in ballots already, um, we're going to look biblically and examine two primary political party platforms, the Democrats and the Republicans. 
We're going to look at their practices and their beliefs. We're going to look at what they are committing to do and what they are doing. Why? Because we need to be aware when we take God into the voting booth what we are empowering, what we are getting behind. So these are going to be the platforms, the policies, and the practices that, that candidates then that are affiliated with these parties are committing to. So I, I want to be very clear about this. I'm probably not. I can't promise anything because things just happen when I speak. Uh, you can ask my wife and kids about this. Stuff just comes out sometimes. But I, I don't plan on, on talking about any candidates by name. But I will tell you this, that the candidates that are going to get elected are going to come from, more than likely, at least in Arizona that I'm aware of, from one of two parties. And we're going to talk about these platforms. And these candidates that are running under these party affiliations, are, they are committing to uphold and come into alignment and agreement with the party that they are representing and the platform and the beliefs and the practices of those parties. So to vote for a candidate of a certain party is to vote for that party's platform. To vote for a candidate who's affiliated with a certain party is to affirm and empower that platform, that commitment that that party has made. What they say they're going to do with your vote and the empowerment that you've given them. So you see how that works? It's not a popularity contest. It's not about, oh, I think this person would make our state look a little, you know, just the way they are on camera, and the way they talk, and they just seem so nice and kind. But then in the background, what's really going on? I mean, we've turned this whole thing into a popularity contest in this nation. Oh, they just seem so nice. Meanwhile... They're releasing demons. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I mean, that was a little out there, but. We empower action with our vote. If we vote for a candidate who supports abortion, then we empower abortion with our vote. And I hope you hear that. That's not a dramatic statement. That's just the facts. If we vote for a candidate or a party that supports abortion, we, with our vote, have just empowered abortion. That's just the way it is. That's how a representative republic works. That's how it works. So let's talk about this. This is real world. I'm going to talk to everybody here like adults. The media doesn't talk to you like adults. Most people out there don't talk to you like adults. They talk to you like consumers who they're trying to sway and move and get you to give them something. But let's just look at this like with our eyes wide open. So we're going to run through several issues. Issue number one, sanctity of human life. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Look, if we don't get this first issue right, people often would say to me and have said to me and still say to me, you're a one-issue guy. I'm like, I am not a one-issue guy. 
But there is an issue that if we cannot get past this one issue, then none of the other issues even matter. If we can't deal with the sanctity of human life, then what, do, what does any of the other stuff even matter? It doesn't matter. It's just foundational. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, speaking of God, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The sanctity, the preciousness of human life. The seventh commandment clearly states, you shall not murder. The old English, thou shalt not murder. We're familiar with that. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward. Abortion is murder. We understand that now. We understood that back in 73 when they said it was okay and acted like everyone was confused and didn't understand that that was a baby in that womb. But now science has more than caught up to make it extremely obvious for anyone who cares to even do a simple Google search. That abortion is murder. It's taking the life from its mother's womb. So let's go to the party platforms on this. And let's see what candidates are adhering to and coming into agreement with as it relates to the sanctity of human life. In their own words, Democrat platform. This is in their own words. Quote, we believe unequivocally like the majority of Americans, I don't know about that, but they say so, like the majority of Americans that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health services, including safe and legal abortion. Every woman should be able to access abortion, is what they're saying. We will repeal the Title X domestic gag rule and restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood, which they've already done under Biden. Continues, and... The Democrats, it says, we will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health and rights. We will repeal the Hyde Amendment, which is barriers to using federal funds for, uh, to pay for abortion, and we'll protect and codify the right to reproductive freedom. In other words, Democrats in black and white, in their platform, are saying, we want to make sure abortion is available for every and any woman. We're going to not only protect that right, but we're going to make sure that the federal government funds these abortions. Again, in their own words. Republican platform, in their own words. We assert the sanctity of human life and affirm the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and legal legislation to make it clear that the 14th Amendment's protections apply to children before birth. 
And they continue, the GOP platform also includes opposition to the use of public funds to perform or to promote abortion and the funding of organizations that provide or refer for abortions. The platform also opposes embryonic cell stem research, human cloning, and infanticide. So, I want to go back to this. Make no mistake, if we devalue human life in the womb at the beginning, we will continue to devalue human life throughout. And we see that in our nation. Human trafficking is going off the charts right now in this nation. Right here in our backyard in Arizona. It's a hot spot for that. The devaluing of human life. When we devalue it in the womb, then, then oh well, if it's not happening to me, out of sight, out of mind, whatever. Pedophilia is on the rise. Racism, domestic violence, child abuse, all of these things are related to the devaluing of human life. So again, if we don't get it right in the beginning, look at the consequences. Abortion is the root that must be removed. Roe was overturned with a Dobbs ruling, and we thank God for that. Amen. We had a celebration that Sunday. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's important. But this issue is far from being resolved. It's just been pushed back to the states. And I thank God that the state of Arizona right now has laws in place that protect the unborn very, very significantly here in Arizona. But those have already been fought. They're already trying to push those back. It hasn't happened yet. But the fight is very much on. It was just a few weeks after that, they'd already started opening up Planned Parenthoods again. And I mean, this, this is a significant issue. The church needs to continue to pray. And I'm telling you what, the reason that this was turned around, it was no accident. Prayer, number one. Amen. Prayer, prayer, and more prayer has gone into it. I'm going to go ahead and ask you if, you, if you have been involved in praying for the end of abortion in our land, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Most of the room, most of the hands up in this room. Prayer matters. The impossible happened this summer. Roe v. Wade was overturned at the Supreme Court level. It seemed impossible in my lifetime, even though I was praying as though it was possible. And then suddenly, you know the suddenlies that we read about in the Bible? And we're always like, wow, suddenly this happened. This was one of those suddenlies. Do we recognize that? We just lived through a suddenly, in the, just a suddenly. But there's more to be done. And you're going to hear more about how Evident Life Church, we've been involved with the Choices Pregnancy Center, CPCs, uh, with the Chandler Gilbert Pregnancy Centers for years, and uh, we're stepping up our involvement. We're going to be launching, we're, we're, I think, maybe the first church that signed up for the brand new Bridges uh, program that they're inter integrating even much more significantly with local churches, and we're going to have opportunities that we haven't had before to be real hands and feet in the lives 
of women that are going through these crisis pregnancies, that need a friend, that need help, that need somebody to walk alongside them, just love them and be there for them. Pick them up, give them a call, pray for them. So we continue to be the church. Amen. And I want to say this before I go on to the next issue. If you've had an abortion, there is healing. There is forgiveness. Go to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive. He is faithful and will forgive you and pick you up and love on you and give you fresh, new, beautiful life. Let's go to issue number two, sexual orientation and gender identity. Whoever thought I would ever talk about this from the pulpit? Sexual identity and gender identity. Sexual orientation, gender identity. Soji, as they say it. Genesis 5, 1, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. Can you say male and female? All right. All right. And he blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. So God created how many genders? Two genders. Right now, society say that there's over 110 of them. That's some creativity right there. I'm just saying. But God created us male and female. And not only did he create us male, he knit us together as male and female in our mother's womb. He gave us our anatomy. Let's look at what the two parties, how they approach this. Democratic practices are this, and this is um, from a recent news report, Biden administration, and maybe you read articles such as this, Biden administration endorses transgender youth sex change operations. Youth sex change operations. Hormone therapy continues. White House encourages gender reassignment surgery, puberty blockers, hormone therapy for transgender minors. That's children. That's kids. I'm just going to say it this way because it's true, and we see it in the news always, day in and day out. Leadership of the Democratic Party wants to alter our children's sexual organs. They just do. They have a fixation on it right now. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Furthermore, Democrat platform states this, Democrats will ban harmful Conversion therapy practices. In other words, the, the, the Democrat Party platform, their goal is to ban churches, ban biblical counseling, to ban uh, doctors and other professionals from actually helping walk people out of LGBTQ lifestyle and return to the gender that they were born as. So not only... Are they wanting to change people's gender? Then they're prohibiting anybody from talking to them about actually returning to their original gender. This past Thursday, every Democrat in Congress voted to block legislation that would have required parental consent before a school can talk to your child about sexual orientation. 
I'm just saying, this is going on real time right now. It's going fast right now. That's why we're talking about this. We have to be aware of what's going on in the world that we live in. We're salt and light in the world right now. God has us on this planet right now for such a time as this. This is our time and our season. We're the church right now. The church of Acts was the church back then. We're the church right now. It's our watch. This is what's happening in our world. And there are kids that are paying the consequences of this. Kids. But they're not my kids. Don't ever think that way. No, they're not your kids. But they're kids. They're kids. On the other hand, the Republican base was asked, should people under the age of 18 years of age be able to receive gender transition treatment? The resounding answer was um, an emphatic no. And then Rick Scott, the 2022 chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, released this statement. And he's just pretty plain speaker, I guess. He said, facts are facts. The earth is round. The sun is hot. There are two genders. <laughs> to say otherwise is to deny science. <laughs> so the point is this. Your vote will determine what's promoted in our culture. It will, it will promote and empower what is happening to children in our nation today and tomorrow and the next day. You're going to empower one of these two approaches to gender with your vote. It's not a popularity contest. What we're talking about here is where the rubber meets the road. This is the real world. This isn't fantasy land that we see on television and social media. This is real world, real people, real consequences to our real actions or inaction. Issue number three, critical race theory, also known as CRT. Critical race theory. We just had Stephen Davis here uh, two Wednesdays ago, and he talked about critical race theory, did a great job, just kind of really gave us some ways that we can handle this and talk to other people about it. Uh, it, was a, it was a great evening, and then we spent almost 30 minutes just praying for our nation and for our children and for our schools. See, CRT, critical race theory, is a Marxist ideology. It's a Marxist ideology in practice that categorizes every person as either oppressed, you're either oppressed, or you're an oppressor. There's no middle ground. You are either oppressed or you're an oppressor. And you're oppressed or you're an oppressor based on three primary things. The color of your skin, your gender, or your sexual orientation. That's what categorizes you or makes you somebody who's oppressed or an oppressor. Not the contents of your character, as Martin Luther King Jr. talked about. No, not that. But just these external things. CRT teaches that America is fundamentally racist and to view every social interaction, every institution, and every person in terms of race. And what is CRT? It truly is modernized racism. It's the next version of teaching our children to be racist. 
So what does the Bible think about this? Does God judge us based on these things? Based on our class, based on our ethnicity, our color, our gender? Not at all. In fact, we're going to get into this passage of Scripture next week as we go back to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through your skin color, your nationality? No. You're all children of God through your faith. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I'm going to jump to issue number four. Got 14 issues today, so just kidding. Not quite. I could have had 14 issues today. It was hard to whittle these down because they're, they're all important. Issue number four is education choice, educational choice. God gives parents the responsibility to raise their children in the fear and the admonition of him. Parents, that's a high calling. We just did child dedications a couple weeks ago. We had the charge to the parents. And some of those seem pretty weighty because it, it is a weighty thing. Children are a blessing, but they're a, they're a big responsibility. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want to say this, as I, as I read the Bible, I've not found anywhere in the Bible where it tells God's people, where it tells the church to turn our children over to the government or to sexual, or sexual, well, that was a Freudian slip, um, secular, maybe it's the same thing, organizations to disciple our children. But there are those who, if it's up to them, will demand that we turn our children over to the government and to secular schools and organizations to train them in the way that they should go. Republicans say that we support options for learning, including homeschooling, career and technical education, private or parochial schools, magnet schools, charter schools, online learning, and early college high schools. We especially support the innovative financing mechanisms that make options available to all children. Educational savings account, those are ESAs. We just had, you know, they're awesome, right? Vouchers and tuition tax credits. Democrats says that Democrats oppose private school vouchers and other policies that divert taxpayer-funded resources away from the public school system. So one party and the candidates that represent that party, they want government control, and the other, they want parental control of our children's education. That's how it shakes out in the real world. 
And I, let me just go ahead and back up, and I'm just physically backing up even, but let me just back up and, and talk about this, because this is, education has changed dramatically over the last even just four years, let alone 10 years. The public school system is not your public school system when you were growing up. Well, it was good enough for me. It's good enough for my kids. It's broken. It's become an indoctrination camp run by the NEA and other national organizations that are all about control and about pushing political and social experimental agendas on this nation that aren't very much concerned about your children's ability to read, write, do math, but are more concerned about your child coming into alignment with their ideology about what the world looks like, their worldview, if you will. And I'm not talking about individual teachers. I, I said this, I think, last week even. There are amazing Christian teachers in the public education system. We have a Christian man here that's running for the, the school board in Mesa. Christians willing to step up, to, get, to, to, to show up, and to be salt and light. And we need that because without that, the public education system will continue to be, in my opinion, virtually off limits to people who want to raise their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord because it's, it's at odds with how the Lord is calling us to raise our kids. It just is. I wish it, did, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. Arizona Department of Education that's led right now by a Democrat by the name of Katie Hoffman, I believe is her name. What's Kathy? Kathy Hoffman. Katie Hobbs, Kathy Hoffman. Potato, potato, in my opinion. But anyway, that's another thing. I said I wasn't going to use names, but I, I am using a name here because here's the reality of it. My wife actually stood in front of her at, at a state school board meeting to push back on some of this sexual orientation garbage that is going on in our state right now. And do you know that, that there is a link on the current Arizona education website? And I didn't look today, so maybe it's down because it's election time right now, but there's been a link out there for a long time called QChat. QChat, Q stands for queer. Queer chat link, where your children can go. It's for all ages. It's for students, grade school students even. And you can go out to QChat, and you can chat with a counselor. These are just people who sign up to be counselors on this QChat service offered by the Arizona Department of Education. And these kids whether it's your kids or your neighbor's kids, are out there with these counselors, whoever they are, talking about sexual orientation stuff. And you know what? If you walk in as a parent, guess what they've done for your kid just to make it, just 
a little bit easier and more convenient for them. They have a quick escape button on the screen that if they push it, it immediately just goes to the Google screen. Erases your history. Offered by Kathy Hoffman and team. This is going on. This kind of stuff is going on. This is real, folks. So why is a pastor talking about this? Because I think, I think God cares about what's going on with the kids in this state and in this nation. I think God cares about those little kids. He says, bring the little children to me. He cares about them. He knit them together in their mother's womb. He didn't create them for this garbage to be groomed in this way by perverted adults with agendas and messed up ideology. He didn't create them for this. He created them fearfully and wonderfully. He made them to glorify Him, to know Him, and to enjoy Him forever. I mean, this is why they were created. Do you think we have a role in this as the church, as His representatives on this earth today? Do you think God's okay with the church just remaining silent and not talking about this stuff and sticking our head in the sand and going, la, 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 we don't want to talk about this. Let's just talk about the gospel. And then when we get Jesus, we'll just keep him here to ourselves in our own four walls. We'll let the rest of the world just go to hell. I mean, is this what it's all about? No. We got to talk about this stuff, though. Ephesians 5.11 has have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Okay, that's, that's part one. But then it goes up, but rather expose them. Expose them. Talk about them. Bring them in the light. Bring them in the light. Issue number five, marriage and family. By the way, I just want to say this too. At this point, unless something has changed over the last 13 minutes, um, on a Sunday, which schools don't work on Sundays, but um, government public schools have removed God. There's no prayer, no Bible. That's their official policy. As you're going to the voting booth, make sure, and we, we have stuff posted on our, on our Facebook Connections page. If you need help with some of this voting, especially on the down ballot, you know, places like school board and stuff like that, we're gonna, we have stuff. My wife just posted something out there. We'll have other things that actually give you the names of people that, that you can vote for as it relates to school board and, and other positions such as that. Because I know those are hard ones to figure out. And you don't want to just throw a name out there and fill in a blank and circle somebody and find out that, oh, this person is just running down this whole crazy rabbit trail of worldly secular ideology. All right. Issue number five. Last issue I'm going to cover today. Marriage and family. How many of you think marriage and family is pretty important? All right. Amen. Who, who designed marriage? Yeah, God designed marriage. Pretty important. First institution he designed, actually. That institution of a man and a woman coming together in, in marriage, being one. Let's look at the, the two platforms as it relates to marriage. Democrat platform. Throughout the Democrat platform, the party continually describes itself as the party that will, quote, protect and promote the equal rights of all our citizens, which is fine, right? Including LGBTQ people. But here's the thing, as you read the platform, there is no mention of the traditional family unit anywhere in the entire platform. 
you can tell a lot about what somebody says, and you can tell a lot about somebody about what they don't say. Okay? The uh, Republican platform, quote, traditional marriage and family. Now, this is a quote from the platform. Traditional marriage and family based on marriage between one man and one woman is the foundation for a free society and has for millennia been entrusted with rearing children and instilling cultural values. We condemn the Supreme Court's ruling in the United States versus Windsor, which wrongly removed the ability of Congress to define marriage policy in federal law. In other words, they're against redefining marriage. Which, by the way, I want to make it very clear that man cannot redefine marriage. We can create laws that make it legal, you know, to, to sin. We can do that kind of stuff. But God has defined marriage. He's defined it right here in His Word. Marriage is how God designed it to be. So again, I'm going to wrap it up. These platforms, these policy, and these practices, they have the two primary political parties. And this is what these parties and the candidates that affiliate with these parties and are running under these party platforms have pledged to do. This is what they've promised to do. They've signed on. I'm going to be a Democrat. I sign on to this platform. I'm on board with this party and these party values and these party practices. Our vote for these candidates, for these parties, is going to empower what they're promising to do. I just want to underscore all this. We're not voting really for a person. Or a, we're definitely not voting for a personality. We are voting for policies. We're voting for what somebody's going to do with the power that they are given. That's what we're voting for. That's, and, and a vote is empowering. And I'm just going to call it like it is, because I've already gone this far with it, so you might as well go all the way. And, and the, the deal is this, as we've just, and, and I've done a lot more research than just what we've talked about today. Here's the reality. The Democrat Party, they're self-described progressives. They've progressed a very long way from God. They just have. Read their platform. Read their speeches. Listen to what they say and watch what they do. They even treat the church as non-essential. The church, even in writing, is looked at as a roadblock to their secular plans. That's what we are. I pray that we would be, right? Amen? Amen. And I, I, so, so part of me wants to say, well, I feel sorry for my friends who've been Democrats because your party has left you. 
So I do. I feel sorry for, for people who've grown up Democrat because we have this thing like, oh, you grow up this way. My parents were this way. My grandparents were registered Democrats. My grandparents were registered Republicans. This is just how it is, man. This is who we are. And I want to say, please don't have your identity in any political party. If you have an affinity for the Republican Party for some reason, and, and that's going to cause you to vote for somebody just because you have an affinity because you grew up Republican or your parents were Republican, if you have an affinity for the Democrats because you grew up Democrat and your parents grew up Democrat and that's just how you voted and everything, stop it. Stop it, okay? There's real stuff going on right now. We've got to look at what's really happening right now. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But it's no accident that the Democrats are where they are with their platform. It's a natural extension of their ideologies. And they've been decisive and purposeful in distancing themselves and this nation from God. And I'm not, I'm not just spinning something here. I'm just talking from the facts. In the 2020 convention, the 2020 Democrat convention, they purposefully removed in the Pledge of Allegiance the term under God. It was noticeably absent from their official Pledge of Allegiance in their convention. Not to mention reading their platform in other writing, in other speeches, as it relates to the place God plays in this nation. It is what it is. It is what it is. And, and I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, and I know I say that often, because it's easy just to, to hear certain things and twist certain things. We talked about, you know, twisting words and all of that and meanings last week when we were in Galatians 3. Um, I'm not saying the Republican Party is perfect. Not saying that at all. You know, I want to kick him in the butt sometimes. <laughs> Slap him upside one down the other. I mean, it's sometimes I'm just like, I cannot believe it. I'm not saying the Republicans got it all together, that they're all that, you know. Not at, not at all. I'm not even here to support the Republican Party. But I'm here to clearly call things as they are. I mean, we just got to call things. Let's, it is what it is, right? right? It is what it is, as they say, Right? It is. The Democrat platform and practices have infected this nation with all kinds of disturbing philosophies. And if the shoe was on the other foot, if, if it was on the Republican foot, I'd be calling them out in a heartbeat. I'd be calling them out. We'd be reading what they have to say, and we'd be going, can you believe that? Unbelievable. That's what the Republicans have in their platform? unbelievable. We need to shine a light on that. This isn't about whether you're red or blue. This isn't about whether you've got an R next to your name or a D next to your name. This is just about what's right and wrong. This is about what's, what's righteous and what's evil. This is, this is about light and dark. This, this is, but this is what we're dealing with. Your vote in November is going to be a picture of what you truly believe. It will be. 
It will represent who you are and where your heart is before the Lord. You're like, wait a minute, that's not what does that. Christ in me does that. Yes! But what does that produce? You can't separate your vote from your spiritual condition. You can't be double-minded. can't be. And you're also responsible for not voting. You're like, well, I'll just kind of sit this one out. I don't really know. I don't like the Republicans either, so I'm just not going to vote for them. I'm just going to sit out and let chips fall where they may. Oh, really? I'm just going to let chips fall where they may. I'm just going to, you know, whoever wins, wins. If, if this guy wins, great. If that gal wins, great. And, and whatever. Did, did you just hear the issues that are at stake here? S specifically as it relates to children, the unborn and the born, to your kids, to your grandkids? Man, if somebody's running off a cliff, you can't go, well, I'm just going to sit this one out. No. If you can do something, we got to do something. Diedrich Bonhoeffer says that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And I'm going to just add, not to vote is to vote. Not to vote is to vote. But I don't like this person. They did this in the past. I don't like the way they, what they did here. I don't like the way they did that. You know what? Jesus isn't running. These are broken, messed up people. And what we have before us in this, on this side of life until Jesus returns and takes control of all of this stuff is we truly have the choice between the lesser of two evils. But there is a lesser and a greater. There just is. And it's not very close anymore. But I want to end with this. I want to end with this. We should be concerned with what's going on around us. We have to be. We should be concerned with the condition of our education system. We should be concerned about what's happening as it relates to abortion. We should be concerned with the condition of the perversion that's happening in our culture around us today. We should be very concerned about all that. But there is one thing that remains. Jesus is on the throne. And he never changes. He never changes. Our hope is not in our government. Our hope is not in a political party. Our hope is not in and never will be in a candidate. They are not our Savior. 
They can't, they didn't turn around this nation from that whole Roe v. Wade thing. Now the Lord did. And he used man and he used women to do that. He used men and women to do that. But it is God who can turn things around. When man gets involved, we make it worse. We go from bad to worse. Our hope has always been and always will be in Christ alone. Can I get a bigger amen to that? Amen. Amen. So let's stand up. I want to ask you to stand up. And here's how we're going to end. Thank you. All right, thanks, Joe. Here's how we're going to end. We're going to end by singing this short but very powerful statement about where our hope lies. Pastor Tim.